The Ray Pet community, this is Mike Slagle, your superintendent, back for another episode of Ray Pet Connect. As you know, the purpose of Ray Pet Connect is to provide in-depth information about key topics and issues here in the Ray Pet School District. We are glad that you have joined us today. I'm talking with three individuals who help Ray Pet School District partner with families to meet non-academic needs in the areas of mental health and other non-academic needs. I'm joined by Allison Scott, Student Support Coordinator. Allison, welcome. Thank you for having us. Also here today is Alicia Goodwillow, Family School Liaison. Alicia, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Our third guest is Addison Schultz, who is also a Family School Liaison for the district. Welcome, Addison. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Now, your job titles may not be very familiar to people either in or outside of education because this is kind of a new position, new focus for us as a result of the pandemic. So tell us a little bit about your roles in the district. Uh, Allison, we'll start with you. How would you describe the job of student support coordinator? That's hard. <laughs> it is a new position um, created with some funding we got from the pandemic. And I would say my main priority is reaching out and seeking out partnerships, community partnerships that could help bolster our efforts at school. Um, and then I also do some systems coaching when we have those interventions and, and opportunities, how to make them efficient and sustainable and work well in our school system. Now, coming off the pandemic, we are seeing a variety of student behaviors and needs that may not have existed before, maybe not ex existed in the degree that they did prior to the pandemic. So coming back and helping students and families kind of navigate the new normal or the new weirdness as it, as it may have been, that's one of your primary roles, is it not? Yeah, and that looks different every day with every kid, with every situation, and um, even with our team, just trying to figure out how to, how to tackle that. But the focus of our work is teamwork, for sure. Um, and so I'm very lucky to have these other two ladies that are here, because they really do the, the groundwork for this, I feel like. And Alicia and Addison, uh, speaking of the title of Family School Liaison, how would you describe that to somebody? What do you do uh, on, on a daily basis and how do you uh, meet student and family needs? Sure. So we work very close together and obviously with Allison, um, we really try to meet basic needs. So when basic needs aren't met from a family or a student, we really do see that impacted here at school. So housing is one thing that we really actually help with, clothing, food. Um, mental health resources, um, just a lot of wraparound referrals resources out in the community. Um, we do see that uh, the pandemic has definitely impacted a lot of families in a lot of different ways. So trying to meet those needs so that hopefully they have better success at school. Mm -hmm. Addison mentioned housing. So tell yeah. me about that. How do, how do you connect families to <clears throat> housing? What does that look like, especially here in the Ray Peck community? Um, I will say housing is probably one of our hardest. Mm -hmm. There isn't a whole lot out there. I think the biggest start is making sure they've applied for all the housing vouchers, all the assistance that is out there. There are some like government funded assistance that they can apply for that can just help with various things, especially being COVID related. So just making sure they're aware of all those and then helping them with the right links and filling out the correct forms and just kind of helping them stay on top of it because it can be kind of overwhelming. So just making sure they're applying for the right things. Give our listeners a kind of an idea about 
housing insecurity here, here in RAPEC, because I think for most of us, that might be an invisible part of, of our district. So sure. Alicia, tell us a little bit about what you see on a daily basis. I, I think the pandemic really did bring light to a housing crisis. I think a lot of, um, there's not a lot of affordable housing in our area or even in the metro area. And it's very limited. So we're seeing people who may have lost jobs who are not able to afford their current place and now are having to be put on wait lists for, for maybe government assistant programs such as a housing authority and things like that. Um, there are a lot of government agencies out there that are helping financially, but those are long waits. Mm -hmm. um, and so that can be very overwhelming and an additional barrier for families. Um, so I, I don't know if this district is used to the housing crisis, but it's just something that we are definitely seeing more of in the last year and a half since I've been here. We do get a lot of requests for that. I know in how I've described your work, and this has been at a very high level to people who have asked about these positions, there is some knowledge that's required for people to navigate the system. Mm -hmm. And many times the people that are in most need don't know how to navigate that. You three kind of stand in the gap on that and help make the connections uh, is that a fair way to assess that? Yeah, I'd say knowledge and just the fortitude and grit, because I don't, I'm sure all of our families can identify with trying to get a doctor's appointment or find a mental health counselor for their kid if there's a need. And that can be a, a frustrating process. Um, and if you don't have a support network to help either vent that frustration or ask a question or two, um, that's even more challenging. So I think standing in the gap is a good way to put it um, and just offering them uh, an ear to listen or someone to bounce questions and ideas off of that they wouldn't maybe normally have. And life is stressful, and especially if you're a single mom with three little kids or, or a single dad, or um, it, it just compounds that. They mm -hmm. don't always have a thought partner in, in some of those hard things that life can bring. So, Addison, is there more need in one particular area that you're seeing over the course of the last couple of years or is it is it across the board um i don't know i think some things are harder than others like housing is a more difficult one to where i maybe spend more time on it um but food, honestly, clothing, we utilize our Panther clothing closet quite often. We meet families down there, open it up a few times throughout the semester. Um, but I would say across the board, I mean, unless I'm missing something. Mental health. Mental <laughs> health, yeah. Would be a big one yeah. that I've noticed with the lack of provider. Not There's quite a few providers around the area, but they're all full. There's mm -hmm. a wait list or they don't take certain insurance or they're they're not affordable um, out of pocket. A lot of people cannot pay out of pocket. That's, that's, people can't afford that stuff. So I would say finding therapists, um, individual therapy, play therapy, family therapy, things like that are very difficult and challenges that we face almost daily. Yeah, yeah. Um, trying For to sure. help guide some families in the right direction of finding some really good fit um, for them specifically. I'd say behavioral health appointments also, just because our wonderful Children's Mercy KU Met, I mean, they're wonderful, but they have six-month wait or at longer, least. Or and some of these families and, and kiddos, we know how important early intervention is. Um, six months seems like an eternity to a three-year-old that really could use some 
proper diagnosis and, and proper treatment that can come from a proper diagnosis. So we've seen a little more of that, or mm -hmm. maybe we're getting more because I think we have figured out some different little places that you can go outside of those two agencies um, to get a faster process going. So that has seemed to tick up a little bit, For sure. I think. Yeah. Our, our staff is getting more comfortable coming to us um, too. So we're seeing an uptick from that, which is wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, we have several routes for them to access our supports, but. Yep. So let's talk about the, the difficult topic of suicide mm -hmm. and ideations around suicide. Do you, um, does your team, the three of you, um, address that, deal much with that? And if so, what would you want our listeners to know about that particular area? I'd say we defer to our mental health professionals mostly for that. Um, even when we get requests for mental health stuff, we, we partner with them or our new Compass partnership that we have had the last several years. Um, just they're the experts in that one. Um, but again, as far as us making sure they're connected to the right resource, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'd say... Mm -hmm. That is more the role that we serve together. Mm -hmm. Now, Alicia, I know our listeners are going to want to know how they might be able to get involved. Uh, is there ways that our listeners can reach out to, you know, maybe contribute to help in any way? I, you know, this is a, a question that just kind of popped in my mind. It's just, I know our listeners might be wanting to know that. So is there a way to do that? Yes, I would say uh, Rip It Cares. Um, we always ask for donations. Um, monetary donations as well as even just physical stuff. Um, obviously we always take donations for our clothing closet, um, but we're always looking for, you know, school supplies, things like that. So anytime financial um, donations come and we can utilize that for different, for different things. And I think that's really helpful because um, sometimes a family may need something specific that we can't find outside in an outside agency. We try to use outside agencies first, but sometimes we do have to go directly. And and help with the rape pet cares. Is that is that what yeah. you say? We have some community members that have stepped up recently to like do a a drive because we need underwear in our panther closet or socks or hygiene items and those are harder to come by than we get a lot of clothing donations, which <laughs> we love and it's wonderful, but um those kind of items are harder. So we have some community members who have stepped up, we could use more, especially with the hygiene and the underwear and black leggings, silly as it might sound, our, our middle school and high school nurse office requests those frequently mm -hmm. and there's a need there. So mm -hmm. that's good to know. Yeah. Stuff like know. that. You know, while other school districts were using their money that they got for COVID response to build things into, you know, heating and air conditioning, stuff like that was, that was allowed under that. We reinvested that money to help in student supports. The three of you, uh, you know, the team that you've put together specifically. How unique is that? Uh, are other districts doing the same to your knowledge? Or is this team that you've assembled here to stand in the gap for, for kids and for families uh, something unique to the Ray Peck area? I, I think it's unique. Um, I agree. I think what's unique about us is we work so closely together. Mm -hmm. We are very strong supportive team um, with our mental health specialist, with our behavioral interventionist, and of course, then the three of us. Um, and I think that's what makes us unique because we all collaborate. We, um, we all talk about different cases and we just bounce ideas off of each other. And there's not one time where someone hasn't 
stepped up and helped support it in, in, in any situation. And I find that to be, for a district this size, I find that to be pretty unique that we are still so close and we work really hard together in every single school that we're in. I guess that's my feeling from talking to other superintendents about uh, what they have in their districts and what we have. I think we made the conscious decision to make sure that we were trying to meet student and family needs coming out of this pandemic. And you three are certainly part of that team that are doing that. So tell me about this. Why is it important to eliminate the barriers or at least reduce the barriers of housing insecurity, food insecurity, clothing insecurity? Um, and I think there are probably some in our you know, the community might think that's family's responsibility. It's not for something for the schools to step into. Mm -hmm. Why is this important for us to be in this space? Do you want to go into a neurology lesson <laughs> on this topic? Because I, they know I can talk about this forever. But there is, in essence, a scientific neurology component to this and that if the human brain is stressed for whatever reason, and obviously not meeting basic needs is a big one, then it can't access the learning part of the brain. And we need our students to access the learning parts of their brain. So eliminating that stress in their life whether that be mental health related, basic need related, or both, um, is very much appropriate for schools. Making sure a resource to do that is, is the challenge, I think. But um, knowing what we know now about how the brain works, I think schools have to step into this place because we're a learning institution and the brain is our learning organ. Right. So <laughs> the way it works would dictate that this is an appropriate use of our resources. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. Mm -hmm. We're doing it for the for the learning piece of it just as much as we we're are. doing it for the I social mean, piece of it. it. They're all connected. <laughs> so yeah, and, and our job is to make sure these kiddos get an education that can help them achieve that success in life. I think it'd be interesting for our, our listeners to understand how this all works together. So I'll give you a scenario. So a teacher is made aware through a student, say an elementary school student, uh, didn't come to school that day with breakfast, doesn't have lunch money, and hasn't. Uh, and the student ex expresses to the teacher that um, that's a normal occurrence. What happens from that point? How is this? How does this normally roll to the level that we can start making uh, connection with uh, with that particular student's family? Um, typically, the teacher would. Uh, express concern to the school counselor who then um, we have a form that we've shared with the school counselor that they'll fill it out and it goes directly to us. Um, and then I think the initial step is just calling the school and just gathering more information. How often is this happening? Um, have you already been in contact with the family? Is there anything I should know before calling uh, mom or dad or whoever the guardian is? Um, and if they think that it's appropriate for me to call them, I, um, we'll typically call and just gather more information. Um, hey, we hear that your um, that Johnny didn't have lunch money today. Um, is is just kind of gather more information about them, um, and then you things unfold. You'll it would be, you'd be surprised how parents just talk and they just need someone to listen to them and offer support because uh, they ultimately don't know what to do and they're just kind of in crisis sometimes and it's just as simple like hey have you filled out our free and reduced lunch form or what is your barrier that like 
is keeping you from making your kid lunch at home? Can I offer you like food pantries in the area? Like just simple things like that. And so then it just kind of takes off from there. We just build a relationship with these families and then continue to offer those assistance. And then what they choose to do with it is kind of up to them. Um, we'll continue to follow up and just make sure they're they're still getting what they need because things do unfold, but that's kind of how things evolve. Yeah, it sounds like we have a, a fairly well-connected system yep. to get from problem yes. identification to some solutions. Mm -hmm. I, I want to make our listeners clear that our school counselors, our administrators, our teachers are very knowledgeable and well-resourced themselves. And, um, it's and, and they do so much. It's more when they are out of ideas or not sure where to go that they reach out to mm -hmm. us. Um, and when you said relationships, I thought really all this work is about relationships, mm -hmm. whether it's forming that relationship with the family where they trust you enough to let you help or forming relationships out in the community. And that's where these positions have a little more freedom and luxury to right. go foster those relationships with our other social service agencies um, that our school counselors and administrators don't always have the mm -hmm. time to do. Mm -hmm. um, so we just, we do a lot of work in that area, making sure we're keeping those mm -hmm. lines of communication open with West Central and Eagles Community Outreach and okay. other social service agencies um, so that they know who we are. They have a more direct line to let us know what programs they have and vice versa. Mm -hmm. We have a little bit better established communication line when we have a need that we aren't sure where to go with <laughs> and we partner with them a lot. I'm sure over the past couple of years you've seen some heartbreaking stuff and you've seen some triumphs as well. <laughs> Tell me why you do what you do when you know a couple of years ago we talked at a convocation about um, the why that drives us both in the high times and the low times. Um, the why is central to why we do what we do here at the school district. So Allison we'll start with you. <laughs> what, what's your why? That is such a good question. Mm -hmm. um, I thought about it a lot because we have put a focus on that in the district. It's just a, a purpose, I guess. I don't know what this life is about if it's not for a purpose of helping others, um, making sure they can live their best life. Mm -hmm. And I think in the last couple of years my why has definitely I am so lucky to get to work with the team I work with and so just doing that work together on the hard days that's that's what also makes it work I don't know if that's part of the why but mm -hmm. <laughs> that's what makes us able to accomplish yeah. the why is because we do have such a strong team. Alicia? For me I've been doing case management social work for almost a decade and I've worked with hundreds of families in crisis. For me, it's not just about helping, it's probably empowering. Um, when you see a family um, build confidence and knowing that they can do this and that they have the ability and the strength, to me that, that says it all right there. And if it's just for me to support or guide, I think that's probably, probably my why. Mm -hmm. um, seeing a family just succeed in whatever way that is for them is it's pretty powerful. That's kind of why I love doing what I do. Absolutely. And then them. Um, I think mine's a little bit of a play off of Alicia's. Um, I, too, before this, did a lot of the behavioral mental health stuff. And I think that is kind of my why. I think seeing a, 
a student, a child grow, and then seeing them learn more about themselves, but also um, changing and them realizing that and seeing how they can grow and they can make a difference and them boosting their self-confidence. I think that's my why. And just seeing the light bulb go off in their head, like, oh, this is different. I have learned something and this isn't the way it always has to be. There's, there's a future. There's something after this. Mm-hmm. So that's, can I add one more? Please. Just recently. Um, and I've been with the district for several years. Um, and at first a teacher and then behavior interventionist. And just this last, uh, May, my youngest graduated. So I was, you know, sitting at graduation and happened to see like three or four kiddos that man, when they were in kindergarten, elementary, tough, tough lives, tough behavior, learning was hard. And it, I had that moment of, I cried more at that than seeing my own kid walk across <laughs> the street. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, they made it. So we don't always get to see, yeah. you know, when I was taught kindergarten here. So, um, so yeah, I was just like, Oh wow, we did it. Mm-hmm. And it's like a, we, right. we did it. And I know they did it too. And they deserve that credit, but yeah, we, as a, an institution, uh, worked really hard on some kids I saw walk across that stage, and that's very gratifying. Mm-hmm. Yes. So. You know, we used the metaphor earlier in this episode about standing in the gap, and I appreciate the three of you for being willing to stand in the gap through tough times and, and triumph times uh, to help our parents and our students make the connections with the resources they need uh, to create an educational experience that is going to be better for everybody. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ray Pitt Community, thanks for listening in today as we talk with some of our professionals in the district who are helping students and their families navigate the challenges of life to make their education experiences better. Thank you to Allison, Alicia, and Addison for being here today. I'm Mike Slagle. Be sure to look for our next edition of Ray Pitt Connect coming in February. Have a great day, and thank you again for listening.